For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's a uh, Monday night, and I'm going to do the parsha uh, for this week, <coughs> uh, which is being sponsored tonight on the occasion of a yard site. This is Mishpacha Savansky. This is the fourth yard site here of Pitzal's father, uh, which is uh, uh, so it's being done with Zechonishim with Yisachar Stefansky Yisachar Ben Baruch, and the uh, as I say tonight Gimel Tevis is the yard site. Uh, He's buried, I saw, uh, right next to Chaim Kanievsky, just almost next to him. And uh, I didn't know him, I know his son, but I'm informed he was devoted to Yiddishkeit and supported Torah and poor people and needy in the community. But Sino never asked for anything. Well, and ran away from Kavad. You know what they say, Baruch ben HaKavad, Baruch So, the main thing is, Hinech ben Kamoso, and uh, how do they say it? Yovlam benim da'avrin b'usach. That's the that's the main thing the nifter wants, the yovlin benin dov and reusach, and so as they say neshamach have an aliyah, and anybody who follows this podcast know I need to say no more, but thank you very much and uh, as they say very appropriate. Now we're looking <coughs> at parshas um, by Yigash, which is all part of the Joseph story, and I've been looking this year as you know. Even been following the psychological side of things. The story is a supremely psychological one. It's not, and I got a lot of feedback, by the way, from people in various situations. Uh, it's not only psychological story. I mean, the Torah has many levels, obviously. You got your Musar Haskells, you got this, and of course you do. Uh, you got your basic history to Shvatim. However, it is a cycle. It is, you know, at Pashib shot level, certainly. A, a powerfully psychological story, and I, when I say push shot level, I don't mean that superficially either. Okay, uh, the omic of this, the shot is is pretty powerful. Now, I'll, each week I see a different angle. I'll tell you, the, I want to share with the angle I see this week, and that is, uh, a lot of times it happens that a person plans to do something and then things get out of hand and it's out of control, especially when you plan to do something bad to somebody. And you think you can control the situation, like in the movies, The Perfect Crime, and then things get out of control. Because there's always the unexpected. And, you know, if you're from, you say, their bonus throws a spanner in there. You know, you had a perfect plot, and then the good Lord intervenes, and things get out of control. There's no question that a powerful example of that is the Mechiris Yosef, because, consider this well, the brothers were good guys. They considered Yosef a rodif. All right, let that be. Okay, you know, as we all know that story. For whatever reason, right or wrong, they consider him a rodif. You know, and putting the halachi questions aside. So they figured it's him or us. That's clearly what happened. You know, unfortunately, they're wrong, but, you know, they, they think it's him or us. And they also figured the father is clueless on this particular subject and just doesn't get it. Otherwise, they would have told the father. But the father favored Joseph and gave him a coat of many colors, which means... The father just doesn't see it, okay? So they probably ascribed to their father the kind of sightlessness that Yaakov ascribed to his father together with you know, with, with Rivka, that, you know, um, Yitzhak doesn't understand who Esav is. And unless intervention, 
underhanded intervention is going to give the birthright to Esav, as we all know the story. So it's simpler, sim, uh, interesting, fascinating, actually, how it's repeating itself. Now, uh, you know, it comes around, comes, it goes around, excuse me, comes around. But here's the thing. What about the fact that you're going to deprive your father of a child, the worst thing in the world, lose a child? Obviously, they must have discussed this. And it's pretty clear to me anyway. I mean, like I say, I don't know, but, you know, it seems to me, which is all I ever can do, that they figure like this. It'll be a temporary bump. He'll cry. He'll get over it and invite her. After all, the guy's got 13 kids, you know, 12 boys and a girl. At least, I mean, you know, some hold the, the girls are born with the spot in the middle. Let's go plane shot. See, he's got 13 kids. See, you lose one. I mean, I, I'm not saying this should ever happen to anybody. God forbid, and so on and so forth. But nevertheless, it's a bump on the road. He'll he'll move on with the other kids. And his beloved wife, Rachel, still has a child, Benjamin, Benjamin. It'll go like that. Fine. And so... This is the cold calculations that they must have made, which is we'll kill him, and, or get rid of him at least, but originally planning to kill him until Yehuda changed his mind. He said, But they were going to plan to be and so they're going to kill him. The father will cry, sit shiva for a week, for shloshim, and then he'll move on, life moves on. After all, in the ancient world is full of infant mortality and all that. Now, this is not an infant, but you know, He'll get past it. And that's how they justify to themselves. It has to be how they can do such a thing. In other words, Yosef to them is a threat. And the father is a factor to be taken into account, but is doable. And then we all know that Torah goes out of its way to tell you of the grief of Yaakov, which was inconsolable. Right? No, Yaakov took it bad. I mean, bad. Right? And, and, by the way, it's not He refused. And therefore, he's spending the rest of these years crying all the time over it and psychologically wounded. And let me put it this way. Is there a bigger anti kibbutz anything than that. If you love your father so much, look at the anguish you caused him. And they must have said to themselves, oh my gosh, this is not what we planned. Because that is what happens with the perfect crime. It gets out of hand and it doesn't go the way you planned it. It's not going the way you planned it. In other words, the month, a year later, two years later, three years later, when Yaakov is going, oh, Yvei, Yosef, Yosef, like David did for, for Absalom, right? B'ni Absalom, Absalom, B'ni, B'ni Absalom, and all that. Which is understandable. It should never happen to anybody. It's a terrible thing. And, you know, he... And he's going on and on and on. By mainly his nachem. Mind you, it's not only that. I'm already, right? Yeah, I'm already, you know, in, 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 in tremendous gloom and doom. And it's very interesting to me that in this week's... How should I phrase it? Yaakov, I don't know exactly how you explain it. He hangs on to this grief. You know, he he nurtures the grief. Uh, because when he sees Yosef in this week's parsha, a musa poem, Achri Rosis Now that I've seen you, I can die. Till I saw you, I couldn't die. Why not? Because 
in, in addition to everything else, that he couldn't get over it, but he didn't know if it's really died. It's the MIA situation, where they're missing in action. In some ways, it's worse. Remember in Israel, a couple years ago, they gave back terrorists just to get a body back so the family could get closure. Because without the closure, you know, it's worse. I mean, it eats you. It's interesting. And notice, Yaakov says to Yosef, That's a strange thing to say. But he's saying, until I saw you and got closure and settled one way or another. Notice, if I would have seen your dead body, that would be a closure. If I would see your live body, it would be a closure. To see nobody whatsoever, you know, and not know where you are, what you are, and whether your brothers killed you, or maybe Yaakov reproaches himself secretly. And says, How can you think your kids, you know, uh, killed the other one? But then the, the other side says, maybe they killed him. And in other words, to live with that kind of, you know, uncertainty and uh, suffolk, and I mean, let's put it this way: the 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 the, the, the Satan can play my, have a ball, uh, tearing you to bits. You know, it's it's <laughs> mamish. You know, I don't know what the psychological word is, but it's it's enough to tear you apart. So Yaakov went through a tremendous agony, which is not spoken about at great length in the story, because the story is written very sparsely and very sparely, which is why it's written so well as everybody knows. But you get the idea that Yaakov was mamish in bad shape. So how did the criminals think after this? The brothers, Reuben, Shimon, Levi, and all the rest of them, they said, Mazos, also, you know, Oive, Oive. And that's why they're freaking out in Parshish Vayigash, as you know, where, where, where Yehudas is like this. It is impossible for me to go back without Binyamin. It's just not possible. I don't know what I'll do, but it's not possible. Right? I mean, that'll finish the old man off. I, I cannot do it. So, it's interesting. You had a whole plan, an elaborate plot, but Lamaisa, when push came to shove, it didn't turn out the way you planned it. Now I'm going to flip it the other side. Joseph. He's the viceroy of Egypt. As far as he knows, as I tried to argue last week, two weeks ago, the brothers were all plotters. Maybe the father was in it. Maybe he wasn't, whatever. And the brothers are all a bunch of bums. Because uh, after all, they picked him up out of nowhere and threw him in a pit and then sold him as a slave. So the brothers are a bunch of bums. Rep- reprobates. And then, fate, or divine providence, so arranges it that now Joseph is the viceroy and the brothers show up. As we know the story. And when Joseph queries them, who are you, and all the rest of it, so, you know, he starts playing games with them. Right? Because it says, And so he realized that, you know, wow, they're all bowing down to me. This is the fulfillment of the dream. In other words, when Yosef sees the brothers, he moves beyond the point of simply saying, I'm in an area, God made me forget. I hope I want to forget my whole family. It's, it's a negative in my life. Now he starts to see, oh, the brothers are here. Oh, they're bowing down to me. Oh, that reminds me when I was 17 years old, I had a dream, and so forth, right? <clears throat> now, here's the thing. As we know, and I spoke about this last week, the brothers who don't know that Yosef knows Hebrew start arguing among themselves, and they say, Hashem manachnu. Correct? Hashem manachnu. And Ruvain says, you see, I told you not, I'll take to Be'el v'lo shamatem, but dam damo he needed rush. So in other words, they 
uh, were not pathological. They were guilt-ridden, which I'm sure must have been the result of the father crying and freaking out all the time. Yaakovino never got over it. What I mean to say is, they figured, they have, must have figured, that Yosef is a threat, he's a road day for something like that, kill him, and then move on. Weiter. Don't dwell on the past. And it became impossible not to dwell on the past. That became the overarching fact of their lives. They see the father every day crying and screaming. And everything it becomes the white elephant on the table. They realize everything around them from now on is different because it is great, terrible crime that they committed. And now you see in a firm way that when they get arrested by the Egyptian authorities, they say, Vigam Domo, he named it Rosh. That's what Ruvain says. All that we're suffering now is for our sin of Joseph. Vigam Domo, he named Rosh. There's his, he, it, it, it was, he, they killed him, and now his blood is being, you know, avenged. Meaning we're, go, we're, we're really going to get it. Okay? Now, this is an interesting point. I didn't mention this last time. From the psychological point of view of Joseph, what does it say? It says, they didn't know Yosef understood them. He turned away and cried. In other words, Yosef was planning, and I don't blame him, to have a whole elaborate game and little by little psychologically torture them. Why not? You did it to me. Uh, you did it to me. And he probably figured that these brothers are pathological, at least when it comes to the subject of Yosef. And so they killed the brother and they move on. Yehuda got married. This one got married. Now they have families. They're merchants. And they're in Egypt because there's a famine. And they don't care about the fact of what they did to Yosef. And he sees he's wrong. Right? He sees that the way they're talking among each other is they realize that they commit a boo-boo. And they just don't know what to do about it. Because that's what happens when you do a big sin or a crime. Afterwards, you just, now that I did it, I'd like to move the clock back <laughs> like it didn't happen. But you can't. It's too late. But Gamdomo, he named it Rush. The guy's dead. And we're all screwed. We're, 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 now we're going to get it. And it's Bakumtons. We, we, we deserve it. So the fact that years later after this crime, they're saying that this snafu that's happening in Egypt where for some reason the authorities are arresting us and accusing of us espionage and things like that. That's clearly Yad Hashem for what we did to Yosef. So they see that the crime that they did to Yosef is still hanging over them. So it's interesting. He turns away and cries. I mean, he almost broke down. First of all, he did break down. But he almost publicly broke down. He turned away. So they didn't, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't hop. Right? And even Rashi says, because he saw they were mischaraked. Which means he saw, I don't know if they're mischaret exactly, but they certainly are fully aware of the gravity of what they did. And as I mentioned last week, usually people who are victims, uh, people who mistreated and molested them, whatever they did, usually don't get to see the person, the perpetrator, walking around and realizing the gravity of what he did. As a matter of fact, the opposite. Nowadays, you got these uh, molesters, although they're pathological, they do it. And then they're serial killers, you know. Then they move into the next victim, and then they move into the next victim, and they never stop, and they never have any regret. 
it's weird. I'm not a shrink to understand it. But we know this, right? Or the rapist or something like that. Or you got these murderers that, these, you know, there's people in inner cities that have whacked <laughs> probably a dozen, two dozen people as made garnished. You understand? It's, it, 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 there's no conscience. And here you see that they were overwhelmed by this. Now, the point is, he was trying to, he didn't want to cry. He was trying to put up a bold front and say, I'm the viceroy of Egypt and you were spies. We're going to try you for espionage and so forth. And he didn't figure that, you know, he didn't want them to realize who he is, of course, but he's going through a whole act. And in order for the act to go through, he's got to, you know, pull little by little the wings off the fly. And he's going to give them all psychological torture, which he succeeds in doing by the end of the Parsha, by the end of the Parsha's meat case. But there's a bump on the way, and just like the brothers. So let me put it this way. Yosef is also pulling off the perfect crime. Now, it's not exactly a crime for several reasons, but it is revenge. It's not a crime because he doesn't actually hurt anybody. I just want to be clear about that. You read the story, he never laid a finger exactly on anybody. That's an important point. I mean, they tried to kill him. He did not try to kill them. They picked him up and threw him in a pit and then threw him to the Arabs. He never did anything to anybody. He just had Shimon in a jail for a while, that's all. And he released him. Uh, so it's not a crime. You might say revenge is a crime. I don't know. Who are you to say that? You know, I mean, you know, who are you to say that after what's happened over here? Uh, someone who suffered as much as that, you can't say you can't take a little seat on the seat. That's ridiculous. So what do we see over here? Uh, he wanted to carry the, 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 the mental torture forward and he had to stop. But he said, only when he pulled himself together did he go back and to square one and start talking to him like he's the viceroy of Egypt. He almost lost it there. Well, I'm not finished. Because in our Parsha today, as we all know, he does lose it, the Haino. He wants to go and really torture them. Psychologically. By the end of Parsha's case, in the beginning of Parsha's Vayigash, uh, 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 our Parsha today, as we all know, Yehuda is just saying like this, we're going to be your slaves. Right? And Yosef then acts, you know, part of the torture, mental torture. He says, no, Khalila, I don't want to enslave you. I'm just, I'm just going to take Binyamin. And that led Yehuda, you know, please let me speak to you directly. As Rashi says, I'm going to speak to you frankly. Okay? And what is the frankness of it? The frankness of it is, look here. Maybe the brother stole something. He doesn't deny it in here. He just like this, this will kill my father. You cannot do this because it'll kill my father. I'll say it again. Maybe the brother did it. Maybe he didn't do it. Whatever. Let's say he did it. You cannot enslave him. Uh, you know, it'll, it'll finish off the old man. There are Midrashim that say that Yehud and the brother said like this, we'll pay. What I mean to say is like this, we'll pay a million bucks. We'll pay 10 million bucks. If it's money, we'll raise the money. If he stole your gvia and you got it back in the end and we pay you $10 million, I mean, let's put it this way, you walked away pretty good from that deal. You understand? So we're willing to do whatever is necessary, just don't take him. Right? He's the only one left from, from, from the mother, as we know. And if you do this, he'll rot at him as a uh, save us 
Avdechavino Shaola. You'll kill our father with Vetog. You'll kill the father with sorrow and anguish. You understand? So in other words, the way it'll torture our father mentally and cause his death will be a horrible death. We're willing to do anything but that. Right? Now, it is possible, and Chazal, of course, have many different ways of approaching this story. One of the ways of, of, of explaining the story is that Yudah got threatening. And he said, listen, you can't do this to our father, and we'll kill you, if necessary. Ki kaparo. I'll take down Pharaoh, I'll take down you, take down the whole day of Egypt, I don't care. If that's what's necessary. No, do you want to play hardball with me? We'll play hardball with you. And we all know there's different midrashim, but he told the brothers, you know, you take, you wipe out, uh, you know, Wisconsin, and I'll wipe out Michigan, and this one will wipe out Ohio, and, you know, we'll finish the whole doggone thing, which, listen, they did they did it to the city of Shem, right? Now they could do it. So one way of saying that is Yosef got scared, right? And he said, Yosef because he said, oh, they're going to kill me. Therefore, he had to reveal himself. It is possible to read it like that. It would also be an example, if you read it like that, of what I just said before, which is, once again, you have the perfect crime, or if it's not a crime, it's crime-like, that he's, like I say, pulling their, they're torturing them uh, mentally, and but he, it, it, it didn't work at the end. Because, you know, the, the the victims wouldn't just sit there and let themselves be victimized. The brothers say, we'll kill all of Egypt, starting with you, Yosef. But if you don't read it that way, which is, I think, the plain way of, of reading it, not the way I just said before, you have a human story. They say, this will kill the father. Now, Yosef, and again, there is a Medish Tanchuma which says, well, uh, you know, I heard you when you killed your brother. Why don't you worry about that then? But Pashim shot. he's saying, you can't take Binyamin because it'll kill the father. It'll bring him to a horrible old death. Horrible death in old age of, of anguish. And Yosef couldn't hold himself back and reveals himself. Ani Yosef, as we know. What does it mean he couldn't hold himself back? He wanted to fear ice. And let the thing go to its complete conclusion. And probably, you know, do something like arrest Binyamin and send him away. Of course he wouldn't do anything wrong to Binyamin, obviously not. But they wouldn't know it. And they would think that Binyamin's being sent to the salt mines or something like that. And they'd super freak out. And they would just suffer paroxysms of, of anguish and mental pain. What have we done? We screwed up. Now we promised the father that Binyamin would come back and now we can't do this, it's, you know, the, the whole world turned Fashwarts on them, you know, in other words, they, they, they saw it like an, literally an impossible situation, oh, good, you know, you put me in an impossible situation, now you're in an impossible situation, but it didn't work, but at the end, psychologically, he couldn't carry it through, because when he saw all the suffering they're going through, he, he couldn't take it anymore, no, he probably surprised himself, he probably had it all worked out, that he's going to really drive them into the ground, rub their noses in the earth, so to speak, make them feel what it's like to suffer. I mean, suffer, suffer. Because I suffered. I was a slave in Egypt. And it's not, you know, you know, I suffered. So now it's your turn to suffer. Couldn't do it in the end. Couldn't do it in the end. Because emotionally, a person can't bring himself, I mean, some people, 
can't bring themselves to carry through the whole business. I can't stand to see this happening to you. You could say they was worried about the father, but the father was far away. Yaakov wasn't there. You see? Even if Yosef would have said, I'm arresting Binyam and all the rest of it, he could have sent a messenger to Yaakov saying, it's all a shtick, and I'm Yosef, I need Yosef, uh, and I, I need Moshe B'chol Eretz Mitzrayim. He didn't do that. He wanted Yehuda, of all people, to roll on the ground, to rub his nose in the earth. But in the end, he surprised himself. He, couldn't, he, he, he wasn't able to hold out and carry out the full plot, which, which tells you something about Yosef. No, he was not a bad person. <laughs> you know, someone else would do it. I'd say, he did it to me, I did it to you. In the end, he couldn't do it. Which is, again, an example of you plot something, but you can't bring it out, and you can't fear us in the end. Because it's one thing to say, I'm going to do this and this and this. And it's the second thing, when you start actually contemplating the pain and the suffering you're going to impose on someone else, and you ask yourself, are you really going to do this to that person? even if they did something wrong to you. Now, sometimes the person will say, yes, I am going to do it, but not in our case. In Parsha Vayigash, yes, they can't do it. You understand? That uh, much of a shmo, he's not. He just cannot do it. And so he said, like this, he says, listen, enough of this. Shine. We're closing this show down right now. Right? This whole charade comes to an end now. And I'm going to you know, put my cards on the table, I'm Yosef, I'm in charge of Egypt, bring my father here, etc., etc., as we know the rest of the story. So, again, from a psychological point of view, it, it means that, 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 you know, these people, that Yosef in particular, as well as the brother, are not pathological. That's like the worst thing. To have no conscience, to do something bad and have no conscience, that's super disgusting. People sometimes can do bad things to other people. It happens. Maybe it shouldn't happen in a perfect world. You know, I get it. And the story of Yosef and his brothers is far from a perfect world, and it is a family tragedy, blah, blah, blah. All that is true. It's, it is true. But on the other hand, you see that uh, a regular person with a regular conscience can't bring himself, hopefully, to carry through a whole nefarious plot. Even though you could argue, the Eight of will tell you do it, but there's also Yetzir Tov out there, right? Sometimes the Yetzir Tov was weak. With Yosef and the brother, the Yetzir Tov was not weak. The Yetzir Tov had been overwhelmed momentarily by the Yetzir Harap. In the case of the brothers, the Yetzir told him to go kill Yosef. In the case of Yosef, the Yetzir Harap went and said, you know, go mentally torture the brothers, bring anguish to them as they brought to you. But in the end... He couldn't go. He he couldn't go through with it, you know. He couldn't go through with it, which means he was a mensch. Now, doesn't mean everything was forgive and forget. And as we all know, in next week's parsha, they say now that the father is dead, now we're really going to get from Yosef and all the rest of it, which is a whole separate story. But Lamai said, you know, I know he didn't do anything to them. It was not his plan that the only survivors of Jacob should be the tribe of Joseph, Ephraim, and Ashabiah should be killed. He could have done it. That was not the plan. Right? That's not what the plan was. And not only that, but as far as we can tell, he wanted his children to be integrated among the others, and they were. Right? That's why all of them suffered the slavery. They all were. You know, if Yosef would have 
plan things differently, maybe to be two sets of Jews, A and B. Those who were the, the brothers, children, and descendants, and they're the ones who were enslaved. And then to be the tribes of Ephraim and Asher, who since their grandfather saved Egypt in the famine, so, you know, they got a special pass. But it wasn't like that. He wanted them all to be integrated into one big group. In order to do that, you can't go through with all this, um, what's the right word, malign kind of action. In the end, he had to say, So in each case, you know, he couldn't go through with it. That's the sign of a good kid. You get it? That's the sign of a good kid. There are kids in high school or in other schools, they all plan to do something. It happens. And then at the end of one kid's like, I can't do this. You know, steal the car, whatever it is. I can't do it. Why can't you do it? I can't do it. <laughs> you see? There, there is such a person out there. So I think that to me, uh, this is, is one of the striking and fascinating uh, aspects defined in the whole Joseph story. The plan and then the execution doesn't go through all the way because lo person can't do that at the end of the day. A decent person can't go and bring themselves, you know, to, 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 to really dump it on the other. Now, there's a lot of other cultures out there where this is not true. You give, in many places, you know, in many cities, inner cities, you give one the gun, he'll shoot the other. I don't care if it's his brother. But not here. Not here. Anyway, it's a little bit long. I want to conclude by uh, thanking again and saying that we hope that uh, in the Shamashav and Aliyah, uh, Yisachar Mayor Ben Baruch Stefanski, and that uh, his children and grandchildren should go in his way. If he says over here, he did everything but sinner and, and ran away from COVID, that's like, that's like a very high madriga. I'm sure everybody knows the story of the guy who said, hey, all my life I was running away from COVID, and COVID never, never didn't chase me. And they always answered, they said, yeah, when you when you ran away, you were looking over your shoulder to see, make sure cover was chasing you. That's not what they mean. Barech min a cover. Barech min a cover means you re, you really are running away from the cover. But if you skip the cover, then you get other rewards, hopefully in the family way. And with that, I bid you all a good week. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.